a guide to mental and emotional wellness, biblical wisdom, practical principles, clinical insight, by me, Dr. Jennifer Lundgren. Chapter 2. What is self-care and why does it matter? Quote, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 Quote, Rest and self-care are so important. When you take time to replenish your spirit, it allows you to serve from the overflow. You cannot serve from an empty vessel. Eleanor Brown I've talked with many people who say that they don't believe they deserve to practice self-care. To some, self-care is equated with selfishness. It's the antithesis of the life of a Christian, which is to live in service to God and your neighbor. It seems like it's the opposite of humbling yourself, of trusting in God, and in putting the needs of others above yourself. Self-care is associated with extravagance that might seem unnecessary, like getting massages or pedicures, or it might seem like something that might be nice to do someday. It becomes a should on our list of things to do, like minimizing our houses or meal planning or budgeting better. Even if some do attempt to engage in self-care, they do so feeling guilty or uneasy because they could be doing something productive or spending more time with their kids. They may also feel guilty putting a burden of child care or pet care on someone else in order to do the things they find nourishing for themselves. They might also have people in their lives who overtly tell them that what they're doing is selfish. Oftentimes in marriages, there is a dynamic where one spouse may be more likely to have fun and the other might be more practical. The practical spouse might communicate frustration or instill a sense of guilt in the fun-loving partner. We're parents. We can't go on a trip. It's Saturday morning. We should be spending time with the kids, not golfing with friends. You've gone hunting how many times this season? The message tends to be, I'm suffering and you need to suffer too. I'm doing more than you. You're being selfish by getting your needs met and not meeting mine. We also might justify unproductive or excessive behavior by labeling it self-care. Binge-watching a TV show until 2 a.m.? Self-care. Overspending on Amazon Prime? Self-care. Drinking three margaritas on a Friday night after work? Self-care. I've asked many students what they do to engage in self-care, and they frequently give me answers related to their phones or social media. I remember one student saying, I just get out my phone and I watch TikTok videos for my self-care. If you've ever seen the show called Parks and Recreation, there's an episode with a concept called Treat Yourself. In that particular show, two characters engage in excessive behavior like eating extravagant food, drinking fancy drinks, and spending a lot of money. As they do this, they say, treat yourself. My sister and I refer to this episode if we spend money or do something impractical. We just bought this thing, uh, treat yourself. Self-care isn't treat yourself. I am not saying that you can never look at your phone, watch TV, have a drink or two, or buy yourself something fun. These are all normal behaviors that we do as a way of enjoying life. They aren't inherently wrong or sinful behaviors. The issues happen when these behaviors become coping strategies. When you feel bored, you look at your phone. When you feel empty or sad, you drink a few alcoholic beverages. When you feel antsy or anxious, you buy something to bring yourself relief. These behaviors may become a way to regulate your mood. 
This means that they provide a sense of relief when you feel discomfort or pain. Coping and regulating your emotions with these strategies is not self-care. Self-care is defined by the World Health Organization as the ability of individuals, families, and communities to promote their own health, prevent disease, maintain health, and to cope with illness and disability with or without the support of a health worker. Self-care includes everything related not only to staying physically healthy, but also spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and socially healthy as well. A study published in BMC Palliative Care in April 2018 describes self-care as being self-initiated behavior that people choose to incorporate to promote good health and general well-being. Marnie Amselum, a licensed psychologist out of Trumbull, Connecticut, described self-care as anything that you do for yourself that feels nourishing. That definition strikes me because nourishing is defined as containing substances necessary for growth, health, and good condition by Oxford Languages. The word nourish is found throughout the Bible. In the King James translation, it's found in Genesis 50:21. It's the story of Joseph. After his brothers had betrayed him and sold him into slavery, Joseph became a ruler of Egypt. Years later, when a famine struck Israel and Joseph's brothers came to Egypt looking for food, they realized the ruler was the brother whom they had betrayed. They were terrified that he would seek revenge. Instead of seeking revenge, however, Joseph forgave his brothers and comforted them by saying, Therefore fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones. He was reassuring them that he would provide and take care of them. Just as Joseph promised to nourish his brothers and their offspring, God also nourishes us through his word. When we do things that are nourishing for our faith, nourishing for our minds, nourishing for our bodies, and nourishing for our relationships, this is self-care. Why does it matter that you take care of yourself? Sometimes in this self-care discussion, we focus on how we will take care of ourselves, We come up with lists of things that we can do that sound like they would be relaxing or fun. Instead of thinking about what we can do for self-care, let's start with why we should engage in self-care. The social commentator Simon Sinek has one of the most viewed TED Talks of all time entitled Start With Why. He gives examples of famous people throughout history who had a powerful why, like Martin Luther King Jr. or the Wright Brothers. He discusses companies like Apple, who lead their businesses with their why, and how these individuals and companies are more successful and innovative when they have clarity in why they do what they do. He makes a case for leading with your mission and your purpose instead of with your what you do and how you do it. Why do you do what you do? He says that Martin Luther King Jr. said, I have a dream, not I have a plan. The what and how will fall into place when you have a compelling why. So I'm asking you, why is it important that you take care of yourself and your health? Why does it matter if you, the salt of the earth, sustain your saltiness? Why does it matter if your light shines? Why does it matter if you are well? Your why might look different than mine. To me, 
why I'm writing this book is that I want you to be healthy. I want you to be in heaven with me someday. I want you to have a deep sense of purpose and meaning and strong, connected relationships. I want your family members to feel safe and loved in your presence. I believe that if you as a Christian or someone interested in the faith are healthier, even by a little bit, then the church will thrive and the word of God will spread. This is not by our doing, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. The world needs the light of Christ's love. It needs the hope of eternal life. It needs a biblical truth. It needs saving. If we can be beacons of light in our fallen, broken world, then the darkness will fade. I'm here to help you let your light shine. If your light has felt a little dim lately, or you feel like you've lost it altogether, that's okay. You're not alone. This book is meant to help you find that light or brighten it. Reflection Break Write out why it matters that you take care of yourself spiritually, mentally, physically, and socially. Question 2. Who needs you to be your best self? What are ways that you can take care of yourself? Once we have a compelling reason why it matters to take care of ourselves, let's examine some ways that we can engage in self-care. What are ways that we can nourish our bodies and minds? What are ways we can nourish our marriages and our close relationships? How do we view nourishing our bodies and minds as something necessary for us to do? And how do we do it motivated out of love instead of guilt, duty, shame, or fear? How do we associate nourishing our health and well-being with joy and love instead of feeling overwhelmed or like it's too much work? Take some time to reflect on the current self-care strategies that you currently use and that you would like to begin to implement. Our bodies and minds are intimately connected and many strategies may be used to promote wellness in multiple areas. If I'm feeling worried or overwhelmed, I often pray to my Heavenly Father. This is a strategy that promotes spiritual wellness, mental wellness, and physical wellness. I can feel my body relax as I talk to God, and I have a mental picture of myself literally casting my cares on Him. We sometimes fragment our health or ourselves into separate pieces, but our bodies, souls, and minds are difficult to separate. Another effective way to communicate safety to our bodies is to breathe deeply. Putting your hand on your heart is a way to communicate safety and compassion to yourself also. If you can pause and breathe deeply when you are triggered, this can have a profound impact on your relationships and how you handle conflict. Now think of strategies that you would like to begin to implement. How would you like to improve your self-care in these areas? Remember, this isn't just done by us alone. Pray to God to grant you wisdom as you discern useful strategies. Pray to God that His will be done in your life. Pray for His help. Talk with your loved ones about how you would like to improve and what they need from you to feel supported. Be specific. Be as creative as you can. Think of how you would genuinely like to cultivate health in these areas. Don't just list what you think the right answer is either. Self-talk. 
A few years ago, there was a trending YouTube video of Jessica's daily affirmations. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, do yourself a favor and go check it out. It's a video of a little blonde girl in her pajamas, standing on her bathroom counter, and talking to herself in the mirror. She goes through a list of stuff she likes with great enthusiasm and vigor. She happily calls out things like, I like my stuff, I like my dad, I like my hair, I like my haircuts, my whole house is great, I can do anything good. The video is so adorable and uplifting. It feels good to see a child basking in the joy of who she is and confident in herself. The way we communicate to ourselves is one of our most critical forms of communication. How many times do we criticize ourselves, insult ourselves, taunt ourselves inside our own minds? How many times is the voice in our head sarcastic, exasperated, overwhelmed, or downright abusive? With many of the clients I work with, I'm shocked to hear the things that they report saying to themselves, you deserve to feel this way. You're struggling and that's not okay. It's your fault. Everyone would be better off if you were dead. When our self-talk is cruel and abusive, it takes away our joy, our energy, and our confidence. We would never say to a friend the things we say to ourselves, and we would never hang out with a friend who says the things to us that we say to ourselves. One thing that I have noticed in my work with specifically Christian clients is that I think somewhere along the way we were taught that tough love works. If we're hard on ourselves, then somehow we will shame ourselves into better performance, more productivity, and less anxiety. In reality, it's really the opposite that works. People who have more self-compassion are found to be healthier and more productive. I once heard a saying that you can't rebuild a city when it is still under attack and bombardment. It's only once the attack stop and peace prevails that the rebuilding can occur. The same goes with our internal world. When we stop criticizing and attacking ourselves and fighting the life we have, only then can we heal and grow as Christians. Researchers Ethan Cross at the University of Michigan and Jason Moser at Michigan State University have studied how our brains respond to self-talk. They compared what happens when we address ourselves in the third person rather than the first. This means that I would start by saying Jenna as though I was speaking to someone other than myself. In one experiment, subjects were asked to recall negative moments from their lives while the researchers monitored their brain activity. The subject's distress decreased rapidly within one second when they performed self-talk in the third person compared with the first person. Self-compassion is a concept of offering compassion or concern for suffering for yourself in the same way you would be sympathetic for the misfortunes of others. Self-compassion focuses on soothing and comforting the self when faced with distressing experiences. How can you offer grace to yourself when you don't react the way you want to? How can you remain calm and balanced when you fail? How can you accept your imperfection in less than ideal circumstances? From this perspective, you can start to see how compassion for yourself can be integrated with a Christian worldview. As Christians, we recognize that we are sinners. We also recognize the reality that we live in a fallen and imperfect world. 
How will we live and cope with that reality on a day-to-day basis without succumbing to self-hatred or discouragement? Self-compassion can be part of the answer. Colossians 3.12 reminds us that we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, and that we are to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It matters that we take care of ourselves and are kind to ourselves because we are God's children. We take care of ourselves that we can serve God and our neighbor. If you'd like to purchase your copy of Jenna's book, just go to the Time of Grace store or click the link in today's episode notes. Thanks for listening.